Hello there. This is John Doe. Please tune in to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party. It's so many peas, you'll pee your pants. Welcome to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon podcast. Music, culture, conversation, and good old-fashioned rock and roll. So now, I give you Miss Pamela and her pajama party. Hello, dolls. And welcome to Pamela Debar's Pajama Party. And boy, do I have a party for you today. I got to chat for an hour, which I've done many times, with one of my best friends, Cassandra Peterson, who plays Elvira, as I'm sure you all know. And she has a new book out, which is really a fabulously written tell-all. And I got to help her with it, which made me very happy. I helped her edit. I, I assisted her quite a bit, and I'm overjoyed by how it came out. And, you know, I am so thrilled that she's here today. I just want to say another little couple things about me. <laughs> um, you can find out everything I'm doing on my website, PamelaDebarOfficial.com. I have so much stuff going on. Brand new t-shirts and masks, believe it or not. I'm with the band. Just tons of stuff. But right now, I am going to introduce you to my darling doll, Cassandra Peterson. Hellfire up. Cassandra, I'm so thrilled to see you, darling. Oh my God, you moved away. Oh, I'm so devastated you moved away. Oh, I miss you and all my friends. That's the, that's the only hard part about leaving LA. That part really sucks, I'm telling you. Yes, Cassandra moved to Oregon, which I was just devastated about. But, you know, I understand, you yeah. know, you've been in Hollywood most of your life. 48 yeah. years. 48 years in Hollywood. And, and I mean, what made you say, okay, I'm out of here? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's getting hotter down there. It's getting yes. drier. Yes. Um, my neighborhood, I mean, I live in the middle of Hollywood. And yes, um, yes. And man, it was just getting like almost unsafe to just walk down to the, the store and stuff. I mean, I, kept, I got accosted by some crazy nut. Um, who chased me and I had to jump in a car like a stranger's car and get away just stuff like that and you know and you know it's just like kind of I don't know it the 70s Hollywood was really really bad kind of the yeah the beginning of the 70s how it got really dirty and bad and cruddy but I think yeah it's, it's worse now I mean have you really? driven Sunset Boulevard it's just it's getting scary down there 
Well, it's scary in, in the valley. Yeah, yeah. and everywhere. <laughs> it yeah. is, it really is. But you but you feel better. I mean, you feel do you feel good where you moved to? I mean, I can't wait to see it. I am gonna come visit. Well, it snowed today. It oh. woke up to the entire ground, everything covered in snow. I I'm not like ready for that, really. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, Mother Nature is pissed off, as we all know, and she's going to do it. She's going to do wherever she wants to do it. That's true. And there's no running, no hiding, you know, no. you're uh, uh, Elon Musk and you can launch her some of the space. But yes. who the hell wants to live in some kind of a bunker on Mars? You know, uh, I mean, not me. Really? I'm going to stick it out here with my sweet Mother Earth. Me for the rest too, of my life. Last. God, but, but anyway, you know, I think the main problem is that LA is a city of almost 8 million people. Yeah. 8 million. And I think it's become kind of ungovernable. Ungovernable? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, you know, I mean, because it's like a country. Um, yes. Oh, it should be a country. Yeah. I, I've always thought it should at least be a separate from the rest of the freaking country. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I worked on campaigns for years and years. I did it so many times. I became a delegate for Jerry Brown. I went to Washington. I did everything. I know Trust you're me. very committed to, to good vibes. I know that. Thank you. And I, I was yeah. working on getting Hollywood to be its own city. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like yeah. West Hollywood. And because yeah. as soon as West Hollywood yeah. got its own city, it became so much nicer, you know? Uh, it got some of the government's money to fix things up. But anyway, that never panned out. So finally, I'm like, I can't, I can't keep working on this thing that's never going to happen. So I split to a city that's less than 800,000. Wow. So much easier to get around in. And oh, and the traffic in LA. I mean, I know it, it, traffic, yeah. man. you have to add an hour yeah. coming and going. And if you're going to Disneyland, like I like to do, forget it, it takes forever. Okay, the, whole day. <laughs> the whole day. I mean, just to, going to the airport, which I was doing oh. all the time before. The yes, yes. Every yeah. week. It was like from my house, like an hour, you know, hour, hour and a half, depending on the time. Oh, yeah. Here, from my house, it's 20 minutes at, at the highest traffic time. So it's like, <laughs> oh, what a relief. I, I know there are some bonuses. I really love Portland. You know, I used to, before the pandemic, I would come twice a year and teach my writing workshops. So as soon as this clears up a little, which seems maybe it is, I will be there again a lot because I do love Portland. One of my oldest friends lives there and I've got other good friends. So yeah, well, stay <laughs> with us. You can stay here. Okay. That'll be awesome. Can't so wait let's, let's get into, you know, this is a music podcast. Uh, you know, my <laughs> Pantheon, Pantheon is a music uh, podcast place. Yeah. <laughs> so you you wrote a fabulous book, which I was honored to help you with to some degree. And it was just so well done. You know, people don't, you know, they so many people say, oh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about that. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And they say it maybe in their last breath on earth. <laughs> yeah. I said it. I said it for approximately 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I got so bored of hearing me say that. It was like, don't even tell me about it. But I mean, with your encouragement, Pamela, I've said I've said in many interviews. Oh, thank uh, you. I didn't write this book until Pamela Debar told me kind of how to do it, helped me get an agent, your agent. He's a good uh, guy. 
helped me write the 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 um, outline and everything so that I could sell it. Yeah. I mean, if you if it hadn't been for you, I would have never done this book. So honestly, thank you. Well, I remember the how that came about. We we hadn't seen each other in a while, and you reached out to me and said, "It's been too long. Let's have dinner." Yep. And, and you know that restaurant's over now, and it was such a good restaurant. I forget the name of it, but it was good. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, we, we talked about it that night, and I and I yes, yes, yes. You know, and you actually did it. Now, it's what made you finally say, okay, I'm just going to write this. I'm just going to. I'm actually going to do this. Well, you. <laughs> you <laughs> <What's that? laughs> um. Well, just the, the, I don't know. It's, I have had so many people over my life say, you have got to write yeah. a book because you had the weirdest freaking life. You yes. have to write a book. And I just kept saying, I will, don't you worry. Someday I will. But you know, I turned 70 last September and it was like, I'm coming up on my 70th birthday. If I don't write it now, when, when am I going to write it? When yeah. I'm 90, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> So I just got the pressure of like, I've got to do it. And really, once you help me get an agent and I got a book deal, then it was like, hey, I'm, now I'm going to get paid to do it. So yeah. I can take yeah. time off of my other work that I do every day mm -hmm. and I can sit down. I mean, I, I sat down and worked literally seven days a week and I enjoyed it a lot. Well, there were days I didn't enjoy it as oh, I was you know. Yeah, there were days you just go, no, I can't no, do it. Anything but this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean it. And especially when you're writing about things you don't want to write about, like my divorce and like, ugh, yeah, guess, difficult you know. things. Sure, you have to because that inspires people to get through their difficulties. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And what what has your feedback been like? Well, okay, first of all, what's the book called for people you know who live under a rock and don't know you've written one? Yeah, it's called Yours Cruelly, Elvira. Yes. And, uh, the feedback has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, first of all, I got on the New York Times bestseller list for four Right weeks. away. Right yeah. away. I, I never dreamed that would happen. That was oh. like, are you kidding? I didn't. Really? I, I thought it's going to be a minor book, but, you know, hopefully it'll sell a bunch of copies, at least to my fans, you know. I yeah. Know but it went so far out of those uh, boundaries. Yeah. I'm thrilled to say I, it's kind of, I'm really glad that it's not just my fans who I love and I'm mm -hmm. thrilled that they love it, but it kind of leaks out into music fans. Um, yeah. You know, because I have a lot of rock and roll stuff there, a lot of groupy stuff. As you yes, know. of course. And, um, it leaks out into the, you know, people who are interested in the whole, um, you know, women uh, with the Me Too movement. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it has, it has a lot of other things other than horror. I think a lot of people might yeah. think, well, oh, it's just about yeah. horror and Elvira. Not at all, yeah. Thank no. Um, there's, of course, that's included, but it's about my whole life growing up on a farm in Kansas and uh, being from a very poor background and, and getting to where I am now, which is very comfortable and, you know, and fairly well known. And, and yes, I, I want that to inspire people that not just elite people get to be well-known, not just people with tons of money put into them, you know, by someone. Um, but you worked so hard too. And it, all the work that you, you've put into your life is all through this book too. But I think a lot of people, if they haven't read this book yet, or let's spend the night together, my 
book that you have a chapter in. Yeah. Um, probably have no idea you were a groupie and don't even mind the word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I don't think they do. There's a lot of things about my life that before Elvira, I think that, but I honestly, I always say to people when I became Elvira, that's when my life calmed down and got normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before that, it was pretty crazy. Yes. And what, I mean, early, early music that, that you loved, uh, you know, the same stuff I did. We're in a similar age group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very so, similar. So, so we like the, the same stuff. And yep. you wound up hanging out with some pretty amazing, you know, people that I think people will be surprised about, such as, I mean, let's start pretty early, the, the Jimmy Page encounter. <laughs> yeah, mine wasn't as fun as yours was, but <laughs> still pretty exciting. Well, he was in the Yardbirds at the time. Yep, which and, I know, one of my favorite bands of all time, really. And, and and still, right? You, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it didn't color your love of the music, the fact that he was a bit of an a-hole. <laughs> oh, hell no. I, I like him just as much now as I as I ever did. I mean, he's brilliant. I mean, come on, this guy. Yes, he, yes. You know, look at all the stuff he's done. And, and, you know, I was surprised to learn that he actually is the person who started Led Zeppelin. It really was Jimmy Page. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's, her, you know, he's, he's very focused Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. You know what, uh, though? Let's, let's hear um, a song by the Yardbirds right now. Great. Yes, he was quite a special dude. Yes, um, still is. Still I mean, is. You know, he's become this elder statesman, you know, with gray uh, hair and a ponytail. <laughs> yeah, no, he's very handsome now. I got to say, he aged yeah. really well, which a lot of Englishmen don't, you know? And uh, I'm surprised he did because he really put himself through the ringer in many, many ways. But he's come out. He's come out of it. But tell us how you met him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was so dorky. It was, uh, I think I was 13 or maybe 14, somewhere right around in there. And uh, I heard that the Yardbirds were coming to Colorado Springs, where I lived, and they were going to play at the city auditorium. And so uh, a girlfriend of mine, uh, Kathy and I, started scoping out the town. We knew they had to be staying somewhere downtown, you know it. So we went to like the fanciest hotel that there was. There was only two hotels. I say in my book, we went from hotel to hotel until we found them. And that was literally it, two hotels. Um, but we walked up and down the, the every floor. I think it had maybe seven floors until we came to a door that we could hear somebody inside playing loud rock music you know so smart so clever for I, know, I, was, I was a teenage <laughs> detective and we uh knocked on the door we were just dying and there was keith relf he answered the door and God. we uh, tried to talk almost fainted and went inside um he was drawing a little picture with some ink pens and and my my friend kathy ended up uh shampooing uh Jim McCarty, the drummer's hair in the sink. I don't know why that. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, 
Oh boy. Paige just kind of stalks into the room, grabs me by the hand, takes me out of the room, down to another room, takes me in there, jumps on me. And I mean, I had no, no, no um, experience with, with guys. I had by then kissed a guy, but that is about it. I was a, I was a very late bloomer, even though. Well, no, late bloomers, you know, 13 and 14 is not late. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, by today's standards, I guess it was a late bloomer. Then I wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> however, when I was 14, I was already go starting to be a go-go dancer in nightclubs. But um, but I had no experience with guys. And then he's jumping on me. And then, ew, ew. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to get into the details. Maybe you have to read the book for that. But I got away from him and ran down the hall. I was half dressed and ran into a whole group of guys waiting for the elevator businessmen and ran down the hall, got my friend, Kathy, and ran downstairs to my aunt who was waiting for him. She was the one who <laughs> dropped us off there, which was, uh, I'm sure she had no idea what was going on. It was just like, oh yes, you want to meet these nice guys oh. the and okay. I don't know what the hell she was thinking. <laughs> well, there was no, it was, it was new. The word groupie didn't even exist. Yeah, no, it didn't exist. And I didn't yeah. know what to expect. I I sort of just went there to see if I could get an autograph, you know? I yeah, guess. yeah. <laughs> a lot more than that. Yeah, and, and he was he was quite, uh, shall we say, energetic about trying to, you know, keep you in the room, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he jumped on top of me. The next thing I know, he's pulling out his wang, you know, and I'm like, Touch oh, that's it. right. I've never even seen a penis. Yes, that's the first one you saw. Now, how many yes. people can say that? I don't know, maybe a few, but you know. <laughs> probably if it's Jimmy Page, probably a lot more. A, yes. a lot, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, he was a young guy too. It, it wasn't like a, he was molesting a child. I think he probably was, I don't know, probably under 21 years old. I'm not that much. How much older no, is he? No, he was that? about, he was, he was probably 23 or so. Oh, well, he should yeah. have known better. But He's probably 23. Yeah, nowadays, that would get you in a lot more trouble. Back when <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, we talked about it, you know? But but you you might have looked a little older, too, at that point. Oh, I did. You, know, I you was, were all dolled up, probably. And, oh, yes. Yeah. I was piling on the makeup and the big hair style and wearing yeah. short mini skirts. And, you know, I was, uh, I was, you know ready to go but not emotionally <laughs> not emotionally yes, right right and and rock stars then you know just assumed if a girl comes in right shows up that's yeah. right that that that's what they could do and of course it got much worse or better or whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah i don't know what it was yeah i've been in so many rock stars dressing rooms and hotel rooms and stuff and it it varies you know it uh back then it was pretty you know i don't know how I would hate to even know what it's like now. Back then it was, you were putting yourself in a pretty risky situation, but yeah. thank God, uh, knock on wood, I never had any any like really scary right. things that I couldn't get away from. Right, right. And thank goodness, because it also kept you, I mean, you never lost your love of music because of it or any of that. I mean, you, you kept going back. Oh, hell yeah. I kept, <laughs> I loved music and, you know, like I've heard you say, I love music. Music was number one. And I honestly wanted to be a musician, but really then there were no right. women musicians. Exactly. That you didn't, you couldn't even contemplate it, really. Oh, you couldn't even say, I'm going to grow up and be a 
you know, guitar player in a rock band. That yeah. just wasn't happening. Yeah, it wasn't an option. And there were the Ronettes or someone where you could be, you know, in a girl vocal group, but but even then, that, that well, wasn't the same thing. It wasn't rock music, you know. Which is well, there was rock. Janice and Grace Slick. But well, they, they hadn't were, even come along yet. Well, at that point, they were just starting to come along. Yeah. They were they were fronting male bands. I mean, it was it was still not women were not picking up guitars or playing no. drums. Or, and so, and and our option was to ha to hang out to be near that music was to be a groupie, right? Yeah, it was, and so, to hang yeah. out with the like I say in my book, if if I couldn't be a rock musician. I was going to be with a rock musician. Yeah, exactly. The closest exactly. thing you could get. You yeah. Know? And yeah. And you, you, you got near actually to me, the greatest guitar player who ever lived better than Paige or any, that yep. Clapton or any of these other people. He, yep. Yeah. Jimmy. Henry. I agree a hundred percent. Did you see yeah. that movie? Um, uh, what is it? White, uh, God, I love the movie. And it's going out of my mind. Uh, they might be loud. Oh yeah, it might get loud. Yeah, it, it might. might get loud. Is that it? It might get loud. Yeah, with Jimmy oh, yeah. Page though. Yeah, Jimmy Page, Jack White, who's yeah. his friend, and the freaking mm -hmm. brilliant guitar player. Yes. Have you heard his new said, song? Have you heard his new song? It's um, so great. It's so the, great. Oh my God, good. No, yeah. not the yes. latest one. He oh my God, I have so not good. Heard it. So God. good. But I'm talking about Hendrix now because, and to me, I think he's. Well, you know, it's dumb to compare people, but he's my favorite guitar player. Yeah, well, Hendrix, yeah. Uh, I love Hendrix. I still play his music all the time. Oh. I last in the house. I can't stop playing. I love everything Hendrix did. Um, yes. And I got to meet him too. Yes, I know. That's the story I'm leading up to here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. Uh, he was such an unusual, unique person, especially back then, where there weren't yes. that many um, black people involved in rock music. There Almost were, none. There yeah, none. <laughs> he was. He was. He was pretty much it. Um, there was a lot of great black music being made, but oh, not yeah. rock and roll like that. I mean, absolutely. And and he had just blown so many people away. All the other musicians, yep. you know, who saw him play the first time in England, for instance, they all said, "Okay, now what? Now what? Yeah. I'm going to have to really up my ante here." You know, every all of them. And now we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're here now with Cassandra. It's so, true. He came in and like blew everybody out of the water. <laughs> and you know, I don't think anybody was expecting that. And uh, he's so well respected by other musicians too. I mean, uh, you know, still to this day, when they talk about him, I, I talk to other musicians about Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, yeah. oh. I know there's not enough words to express how great he is. So you got to hang out with him. I did um, for, a short at, time. for a short time, but but he was a gentleman, unlike Jimmy Page. He was okay. quite a gentleman with you. Right? He was, and I I probably had something to do with that. He was just about ready to walk out on stage at the Denver Pop Festival, right. so he didn't have that much time to get jiggy with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was very very sweet, and we did have a little time to to make out. Oh. Smoke a doobie together and talk and talk. And then he invited me back to his room after the show. He gave me his phone number. And that sadly, I, I was so thrilled. I could not wait. And after the show, uh, I called him. And when he finally answered the phone, first a girl answered. Oh. So that's, that's a real <laughs> buzz kill right there, right? Yes, it is. 
Yeah. And then oh. she put him on the phone and he was just completely out of it. Oh, I don't know if he remembered who I was, if he, it, anything. And you, the, the shitty part was I didn't get the hotel he was staying at. That was the world's crappiest part. I called <laughs> him to this place and it was just a direct number to this phone. Huh. You know, and, and so there was no way to find out what hotel or motel he was in. Right, right. Um, and with the Denver Pop Festival going on, there were rock musicians in every single hotel in Denver. Yeah. You know, at that time, there were hundreds of them. What so was that was the end of my Jimmy Hendrix experience. But yeah. it was awesome while it lasted. And he was a doll. He was sweet. He was uh, he was so kind. He was such a gentle soul. Um, and, and, and a really spiritual guy because i was around him because of noel redding who i was seeing at the time oh wow yeah oh, i didn't know that whoa oh yeah i was around him quite a bit um th there was one time where i was with noel in new york and my friend chuck wine invited us to this big party chuck wine was a real i called him the wizard he was my spiritual guru for a while there and he was calling the archangels out of each corner Michaelo and all that. Wow. And Hendrix, Hendrix was the only person who got up out of the room we were in where everyone's smoking pot and went into the room where Chuck was and was looking in, in for the angels in the corners. Wow. That's, that's really who he was. That's really who Hendrix was. There was so much more to him than people realize. And I got to dance in his Foxy Lady video. You did? Yeah, I was the Foxy Lady in that video. Oh yeah, my God, I guess we never... find that. Uh, is it online? Anywhere? No, it's impossible to ah. find. His family now owns it, and she's a Christian ah. girl, the stepsister, and she's not allowing step people to see this stuff. Oh my! Uh, ah. there, there are little clips of it in his biography, the two-hour biography, of me flailing around. But I got to spend the <laughs> whole day with them, and then, um, then Noel and I hooked up uh, yeah. afterwards. Jimmy hit on me, and I was too scared of him. He was just, he was, I was still in high school for God's sake. He was just bigger than life. He was just his, his, his vibe. It wasn't his aura, his energy huge. I mean, it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like he had a, a glowing halo around. Yes, he, hair. It, was like, he it, was. it was like when I walked in that room and he was sitting on the end of the, it was, a, it was a, not a room. It was a little trailer that they had set up behind the stadium. Yeah. He was sitting there in the back. I, I swear when I remember thinking about it, I swear he was like glowing. You know what I mean? And I honestly think it was yeah. sun coming in from behind him in the window <laughs> that made his, his afro look kind of like it was had a halo yes. on or something. Yes. You know, the first thing he did, unlike, unlike Mr. Jimmy Page, you know, grabbing me by the hand, not saying a word and dragging me down there and starting <laughs> tearing my clothes off. Yes. He said, what happened to you? because he could see I had a big red mark. Oh, that's right. You, you, I had gotten hit by, yeah. hit by, gotten hit, gotten hit by tear gas, by a tear gas canister. And it had leaked some of the tear gas down my face and burned the side of my, uh, my face, like just a bad, super red sunburn. Yeah, yeah. He jumped off the bed, grabbed a washcloth, ran under the water and put it on my oh. face and said, oh. oh my God, what happened? What happened? Are you okay? I mean- that's what he did. I, that's how you wound up backstage, right? Was because you yes. you, you needed medical attention. 
for God's sake. Uh, uh, it was a lucky accident. I got yes. beat right in the head. I was out. I got knocked out. Next thing I wake up, I'm in the back. And and there, wow. you know, and there was Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I mean, I mean, after wow. leaving the, the Red Cross or whatever, the, the you know, um, medic, whatever the, that trailer was, I just started going back to my seat. And, and I was back behind the stadium, you know, uh, and I, I see this other trailer and there's this big guy out there. I describe him as looking like a genie that came out of a bottle. And he goes, you want to meet Jimi Hendrix? I mean, I, I was like, do I, you know, are you kidding? And, uh, uh, and he just like, well, wow, I was kind of him. Yeah, you know, and, you know, if you think about the trouble you could get in if somebody said that and it wasn't really Hendrix or, you know, yes, know. that's right. You put yourself in some really precarious situations. Mm -hmm. And here you are today as glamorous and gorgeous and and sweet oh, and kind and brilliant as ever. Oh, God. Thank you, Pamela. Oh, you're so thank welcome. You. Well, um, let's let's hear a little bit of Foxy Lady since Okay. You uh, were with him and I danced in the video. Yes. Jimmy, oh my God. Oh, I love that. Oh my so God. Much, so much. Yeah. You know, you, you oh gave me God. a list of songs that, uh, and I, I'm not familiar with, I mean, why wh why were you interested in, in Do You Believe in Magic? Just because you love that song? Yeah, you know, um, I had a chapter in the book called Do You Believe in Magic? And I right. always kind of felt that me getting to where I am today was kind of magic because I very much believe in, uh, uh, your actions have consequences and that that what you sow, so shall you reap. You know, it's been in a million different, it's been in the Bible, it's been in the Quran, it's been in every yeah, Yes, every it's, it's, it's wisdom of the ages. <laughs> yeah, and I believe that's kind of a, 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 that's kind of a kind of magic that most people don't believe in, unfortunately. But what you put out there comes back to you. So if you put out bad things, that comes back to you too. Put out good things. Eventually, yes, I agree. Yes. I mean, it has worked for me through my whole life. I have so many strange things that have happened. Like, uh, I'll try to make it this kind of brief, but seeing Viva, Viva Las Vegas, the movie, um, when I was, I think, again, around 13, and dreaming about the movie thinking about it with you know was elvis presley and ann margaret and and i, I wanted to be ann margaret and elvis was my boyfriend and i wanted to go to vegas and be a showgirl and and i thought about it and thought about it and dreamed about it and, and literally obsessed about it yes by the time i was 17 i was working in vegas being a showgirl i met elvis and hung out with him i met ann margaret and i was working in a show called viva lake girls I, uh, I mean, it, just, it, it is miraculous. Come on. It, it, yeah, no, it is miraculous. I, I really believe that what you imagine 
You know, it's done unto you as you believe, our good Lord said. You believe it, you see it, you manifest it, and you obviously have done that a lot in your life. A lot. I mean, I've I've had moments that were so bizarre. I was sitting, I was having this big crush on uh, Nicolas Cage after he came out moonstruck. Yeah. Sitting in a bar, the palace. Remember the palace on on the... Yes, sure. sure. I was sitting in the palace with my friend, Sharon, and we were... Uh, having a drink, waiting to see Ricky Lee Jones, who was mm-hmm. playing that night. And I'm talking to her about Nicolas Cage. Now he's so hot in this movie. Oh my God, you have to see it. I get a hand on my shoulder. It's Nicolas Cage saying, can I buy you ladies a drink? Oh. <laughs> okay. okay, that happened. Then I was having a session about Brad Pitt. He shows up at my oh, house. Oh no, that's a great story. Tell, tell, us, tell us the Brad Pitt story. Oh my God. I, I had this fantastic house in the Hollywood Hills at the time. Mm-hmm. It was oh, my God. 1901 Craftsman. So huge, incredible. Huge house. And I was nine months pregnant and uh, the doorbell rings and, and it had a long driveway with a gate at the end with a spider web on the gate. And the doorbell <laughs> rings. So I'm in the house and I go, who is it? And the person says, Brad Pitt. And I immediately went, ah, that's so funny, John. I was sure it was my writing partner, John Paragon. Yes. And um, he says, uh, I go, who is it, John? I mean, is that you? And he goes, no. I said, who is it? He said, Brad Pitt. I said, ah, that's very funny. Kept, kept going on like that. And I was thinking, he really does sound like Brad Pitt. Um, and so finally, I went out and I thought, I'll waddle down to the front gate to the axe murderer that's waiting there, you know, and see what's going on. No, tell, you were pregnant. That's why you oh, were nine pregnant. months pregnant. Okay. I'm to pop and he's you sick. don't usually waddle, okay? Yeah, I was definitely waddling. I could barely walk it. It was hot. It was in the summer. I was like, Ugh. and I dragged <laughs> myself down there. There at the gate is Brad freaking. I mean, he had just done interview with a vampire, and <sighs> or um, it was between it, it, between. Uh, oh God, what was that one where the kind of cowboy one? Uh, where he had the long blonde hair, and then he was getting. Oh I yes! Oh he God! Oh, what was that called? I know the one. Legends of the Fall. Legends of the Fall. I can see him on that horse right now. Oh, honey, <laughs> me too. And yeah. I was pregnant, so I was having some crazy dreams about Brad at that time. Oh my God! I, mean, I didn't tell my husband about it, but I was obsessed with Brad Pitt at that time. And he showed up at your door. He's at my door, and he said, "He said, um, can I come in and see your house?" It's like. Can you get it? You know, it's like I couldn't open the damn gate fast enough. I mean, yes. I mean, I almost dropped the baby right there, you know. And that would have been a great story where Brad Pitt delivered my child. (laughs) So I took him in the house. I showed him all around. I showed him old photos of when the house was built and took him all around the house. And um, he said, can I come back again and see it? And I said, sure. So he came back with his girlfriend. Okay. Who was adorable and looked like the female Brad Pitt. And, um, <laughs> and my husband was there too. So that was a real bummer. But anyway, uh, showed him around the house. Next day after that, we get a, we get a, a call from his uh, lawyer asking if he can buy the house. And I was like, no, I mean, I was ready to have a baby. I fixed up the baby's room. We yeah. were every, you know, how you are when you're going to have a child, you're kind of nesting, you know? Yes. And we sure. said, no, we said no. And then they came back with a bigger offer. We said, <laughs> still said no. And then they came back with another offer that we, you know, like we couldn't refuse. It was like, we're crazy if we don't. So that was my Brad Pitt story, but I moved, ended up moving next door and saw him frequently 
because uh, we always, it was a private street and we could walk down. I'd run into him. And the best time I ran into him, he was working out in the garage on a punching bag, oh, getting oh, ready for oh. fight club. And he had no shirt on, oh. just like sweatpants. Oh. I, I almost fainted. I, almost, <laughs> I had to grab a hold of a tree. <laughs> I couldn't. And he said, hi, how are you? And I couldn't talk. I was like, <laughs> I have heard that kidding. one. That's great. Oh, it was so crazy. You know, a great story was one day I was sitting down at the little cafe at the bottom of our street in Hollywood. And uh, I was with three other moms from, from uh, my child's school. And I'm sitting there and we're just talking. And all of a sudden behind me comes up Brad Pitt and he goes, Cassandra, it's so great to see you. And I was like, oh, you too. And I'm hugging it at the three moms. I, I just remember the look on their faces because I hadn't seen him in a while. And the look on these three women's faces, you, it was hilarious. That I'm was sure cool. you'll never forget that. That's so cool. You know, what's so wonderful. What's wonderful about you and part of the reason we relate so well to is, is we're fans of people, you know, yeah. Right. I mean, yes. I mean, not just musicians, but, you know, you, you get crushes on people from afar. And it's just part of that is just all about love. You know, it's all. About and, and that's why I love my fans so much. Yeah. 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 I really you understand. Yeah. Totally. I understand what they're what they're thinking, what they're going through and how important it is for that person that you idolize to be kind to you. Oh, it's just everything. everything. It's just like a smile or a hello or anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have been in situations where I was a fan of an actor and then met them and they were a total douche, you know, and and it's just so hurtful. It's so it hurtful. Is. I know it, it only takes a little moment of, a, of, you know, hi, nice to meet you. And it's over. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah, there's no excuse. I mean, sometimes I'm busy. <laughs> sometimes I'm not in a good mood. Sometimes yeah. I'm unhappy. But if somebody comes up and goes, oh, my God, you're Alvara. I don't believe it. I still go, yeah, thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. I still, I don't know. I pull yeah. it out of my butt. Well, you're you're a really kind soul, you know. Thank you. You understand from being a fan and a groupie about what that means. And um I think we should go into uh, someone who wasn't that great, which is uh, your first experience. Well, you, you can tell as much as you want to about it, but I think we should we should hear what's new, Pussycat, before we get into this story. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's new, Pussycat? Pussycat, pussycat, I've got flowers and lots of hours to spend with you. So go and bottle your cute little pussycat nose. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. Yes, I do. You and your pussycat nose. Well, okay, tell us about that story. Yeah, what's new, Pussycat? The, fit, yes. the perfect song. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, I wasn't a fan of Tom Jones at the time. I really didn't care about his music at all. But mm. I was in Vegas being a showgirl. And um, the two guys that were in my show with me and were my best friends um, said, we got tickets to go see Tom Jones. And I was kind of like, well, you know, okay. But 
everybody on the strip was talking about oh my god this guy you can't imagine he's so hot and he's so talented and oh you gotta see it so i'm like okay well you know i'll go so we're sitting in the audience and i tell you were they right oh my god he he does have an amazing voice so i will give him that he is yeah. powerful amazing singer he was sexy as living hell and he was from wales which i was still in love with anybody from from the uk you know yes me too Dog. Oh, yeah. like, oh god and <laughs> so i just i couldn't believe it he was so hot i thought i i was like oh he's hot for an old guy you know i was like uh how old was i by then 18 or 19 yeah you were still so young yeah yeah and i i was still a virgin dancing in a show in las vegas as a showgirl <laughs> wearing nothing but a g-string you know I mean, hard to believe nobody no. believed when i tell him that it was it was true your whole book is full of amazing stories like that. I mean, just it's just one amazing story and experience after another. You guys, if you haven't read Cassandra's book, go out and get it. Yeah, I, I hope you do. I hope there's there's a one crazy story after another in there. So, oh. um, but yeah, so so I ended up backstage with Tom. I don't know. I can't even remember how I got there. I don't know if my friends, Buddy and Sterling, took me back there or if I. I was saying, like, use my my gate crashing crashing uh, tactics yeah, yeah. just for you know being a groupie. Yes, I got back there. Tom kind of glommed onto me, um, and we sat there talking and chatting. And the next thing I know, we're in we're in bed together, and I'm no longer a virgin. <laughs> but it was really horrible. It was yeah. uh, he didn't believe that I was a virgin. That and there, you know, it was. There was plenty of proof there, you know? Yeah. Um, well, he was a thoughtless asshole. Oh, thank you. Somebody had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he was a jerk. I kept telling He's him I was a virgin. And then and he didn't believe me, like laughed. And, and it was very painful. And I said I wanted to go home. And he got angry. He did call me a cab, thank God. I didn't have to hitchhike home. Um, but it was a bad experience. I ended up going to the hospital the next day because the bleeding wouldn't stop and uh, ended up having stitches. It was it was just a horrible, horrible experience. It is a horrible experience. But the worst part, the follow-up, yeah, was going back when I was an actress in Hollywood. I mean, an actress looking for work in Hollywood and uh, walking up to him and saying, hi, Tom, do you remember me? And him saying... Oh yeah, you're the one with the scars on your back, um, which I was very, very sensitive about. I had been burned I, as a child. I know. Um, I was so sensitive about that. And him saying that was just like a dagger to the heart. I, I, you know? It's you so- really have to say that. Yes. That, I'm glad you told that story because, you know, obviously that's, it's a huge story about how men treat women and how 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 long that's been going on and how it still goes on and yeah. I think those stories need to be told 100 percent. and that was a tough one for you to go through and to tell I know that yeah it, no. it was yeah. it was uh I'd never really I had told well unfortunately I'd gone on the Howard Stern show and blabbed about the whole Tom Jones thing that was how I got on the Howard Stern show you had to have oh. a juicy yeah. story you know? Oh, right. Oh. So I, I blabbed about that and that, oh my God, I was like, why did I do that? Because everybody was coming up to me. It was all over the place. What, oh, what year was that? Tom Jones. Um, 
that I did Howard Stern, you mean? Yeah. Uh, God, what year was it? Um, uh, who knows? It was a long damn time ago. It was yeah. in the, probably the 90s or early well, 2000s, maybe. That was really brave of you to bring that up then. No, uh, well, it was stupid, I think, not brave. But but I never <laughs> I never told anybody about the um, about the part about going back to see him again. Yeah, I, that was that was more hurtful than the whole yeah. episode, you know. Yeah, and and did did he just turn around and walk away at that point, or did you convert or anything? Walk away. You I turned around and walked away. Good. Yeah, because I had I didn't want to burst into tears. Yeah. Yes, Cassandra got burned as a child. It's in the, of course, in the book. And it does, it did um, color her life through the years uh, as being something that, you know, that got in her way, you know, mentally, emotionally. And it's so great that you, you know, you, she reveals so much in this book, you guys. And I really want you to read it because it's just divine. And I'm so proud of her. Oh, well. Thanks to you, Stevine. I mean, you really <laughs> got me on the road to doing it. You really did. And your your insight and your suggestions and everything were just so, so right on. Oh, good. God, I love it. Well, you know, I'm teaching m- women's memoir. I have been for 23 years, and it's really the best thing I've ever done. All well, the sex- things I've done. But now we could talk about Elvis, okay? Because this is, of course... My- my favorite story in the book yeah. being an Elvis freak with his signature tattooed on my back. Um, <laughs> that is Elvis fan. Right there. Yes. yes. And the first song that, that sent me on my path was his song, treat me nice, which oh. was on the flip side of jailhouse rock. Mm. For those of you who don't know what a flip side is, that's when, that's when we had single 45 records and the A side was the hit and the B side was usually the flip side. So the flip side of Jailhouse Rock was Treat Me Nice. And the words to that, that song. I was only nine and I said, I wanted to, okay, how do you treat Elvis nice? What, what do you have to do? Um, and, and I listened to the words over and over and over and over again. When I walked through that door, be polite. I'm what is how? I mean, I was obsessed. Okay, from the age of nine. So you got the chance to spend a little time with him, and I would like to hear that story, please. Yeah, well, I was obsessed too from the time I was five, and I received a little record player from my mom and dad for Christmas, yes. and a little forty-five of "You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog." And- <laughs> I have tapes. I have eight millimeter tapes of me dancing to that. And I had made up the wackiest damn dance you have ever seen. Someday that's going to be in my documentary because people will laugh so hard. Good. Um, I made up this kooky little dance to You Ain't Nothing But A Hound Dog. But I was, I became a huge Elvis fan from then on because my parents were these gigantic Elvis fans. Mm. They had Oh, oh, you should have seen, they had a little shrine to him in our basement when I got older. There were like Elvis bottles and Elvis pictures and everything. I, you know, they, they just loved Elvis. So I guess I got that from them. And um, I, Elvis, I mean, ended up changing my life in a huge, huge way. I, I was lucky enough to, when I was a showgirl in Vegas at the Dunes, Elvis and his entourage came to see the show which I could, I could barely, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was happening. I'm in the show. 
he is watching me. And it was like, what the hell? How did you get through it? Were you nervous up there? Oh, I, I was, thank God, I was so uh, nearsighted. I mean, I wore the thickest Coke <laughs> bottle-like glasses my whole life until I was 30. You wouldn't believe how blind I was. So I was on stage. Thank God I couldn't see anybody's face or anything in the audience, you know? <clears throat> but I knew it was there and I was just, ah, shaking, you know, the whole thing. Yes, the whole, yes. Yeah. And um when the show got over, my my best friend, who was another a fellow showgirl, Jennifer, um, told me that she was going to Elvis's suite where he was having a party because she was dating Joe Esposito, his uh, his road manager. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so she said, "Do you want to come along?" And I was like, "You got you got okay." I could not even believe. Oh my lord! Night. So we got out of our you know showgirl stuff and into our civilian wear and went over to Elvis's um, uh, suite, which was by by this time, by the time we got done with the show on the weekend, it was, and got out of there, it was about 3 a.m. Um, I think the last show started at two. It was crazy. So 3.30 a.m. we go over there to the International Hotel and his suite was the whole top floor of, of the International. And um, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I'm standing there, I'm talking to Sonny and Red and all these guys, you know, and all of a sudden here comes Elvis and well, we were talking about auras, but honest to God, that the whole room was white. It had white carpet, white furnishings, white everything. And Elvis was dressed all in black. This is when Elvis was super hot, Elvis. Yeah. Oh, and yes, just done that, that TV special. You yes, know, he was um, so divine then. Oh my yeah. God. Steve Bender special. Oh, that was such a great show. Yes. Um, and there he was, you know, and just like uh, there was a glow around his entire body and he came up and introduced himself, super polite to everybody there. And then somehow I ended up sitting on the couch with him talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. I mean, for hours, uh, the day was coming up and, and he told me that I should not be in Vegas. I was 17 at the time. He told me this is a ridiculous place for me to be. No girl should be there alone. I should get out of there. And I was like, but but I'm here because of you, because I fantasized about Viva Las Vegas and you're the person who made me want to come to Vegas, you know? And <laughs> um, and I've, I've made it here. I'm a showgirl, you know, what's better than that? And he said, you really did. There's so much more. There's so much more to life. You don't need to do this. You can go somewhere else. And, and do something else. And he and I sat down at the piano and we were singing together ah. wrong with him. It was ridiculous. And, and he said, you have a nice voice, you know, and I said, why don't you go? I, I had sung in the choir at school. That's all I'd ever done. And he said, why don't you go out, get some singing lessons and think about becoming a singer and, and get the hell out of Vegas. And if anybody in, in, on the planet had told me that, yeah, I would have said, screw you. I really would. But coming from Elvis, <laughs> I was like, okay. And the next day I, I went out, I got vocal lessons. And within a month, I got a part in my show singing. And it, it sort of proved to me that, oh my God, maybe I can do this for a yeah. living. Yeah, yeah. I'm a great singer, but I could, you know, carry a tune. And uh, <laughs> by the end of the night, I did get a very, very nice, passionate kiss from Elvis. And uh, I couldn't. And I describe how I kept, I wasn't there in the moment. It's sad. I was thinking about, oh my God, I'm kissing Elvis. Oh, oh my God, wait till I tell everybody. You know that feeling? Yes, I sure do. Because the first time I 
had sex with Mick Jagger, I was going, okay, I'm having sex with Mick Jagger right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. this is happening. This is really happening. Yeah, and, and you're just totally not really there in the moment. You know, you're just thinking about who you're going to tell and yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> oh my God. So how did the kiss come about? Was, were you about to leave? Is I was about to leave. His his uh, his guys that I don't know who they were came and got him and said, "Elvis, it's time for oh. you to go to bed." Oh, it was, okay. It's like so weird. It was like uh, he was like a little boy, and they were telling him, you know. It's time for you to eat. It's time for you to sleep. It's time to it was so bizarre. They just came over and said, Elvis, it's time for you to go to bed now. And kind of led him away. And and right as we were leaving and I was by the door, he just wrapped his arms around me and gave me this big, long kiss. And wow, I was dying. My knees were buckling. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And then they led him off to his room. And, and that, that was that. And your life had changed. Yes change totally i i just yeah i i i it really did change my life from that point on i started as i said taking singing lessons i got a part in my show singing a good man is hard to find and uh by the end of my contract uh by the end of the year i moved with the um the two guys my two friends buddy and sterling Mm -hmm. to paris with them um, and from there, started looking for for gigs gigs as a as a singer in a band, and I ended up in a band in Italy. Yeah, the lead singer myself. Another Those stories are so good. The European stories. So you saw yourself in Elvis's eyes. This is kind of what happened there. You saw yourself in a new light, which were in Elvis Presley's eyes. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Wow. And, and but but what when people do ask me about him, I do tell them he was so kind. He was so, he was, I hate to say fatherly, but he, he cared, you know, he, yeah. I told him, I, he asked if I'd done drugs. I told him I had, <clears throat> I mean, I had experimented with every drug out there, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was like, no, 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 you cannot do that. I mean, he was very stern. He was like, no, don't do that again. Anything, nothing, not even marijuana. And I, which, oh. I didn't really take him up on all that, but, yeah. but, um, but he cared, he, he, you know, here he was talking to a young girl and he cared about how I was, how my head yeah. was. I was in Vegas. I was a good place for a young girl. You yeah. Know? Well, and another part of that, which my favorite part of the story is the whole spiritual aspect. Yeah, that was, that is amazing. And you know, I recently did, I tell you, this was so weird. This was another thing that I swear to God, I manifested. And that was that I'm really into the secret, you know, by Rhonda right. Burton. And right. I was reading her latest book, um and what's it called uh yeah no i knew you'd say that (laughs) sorry Uh, something the greatest secret or the i I will look it up i will look okay okay sorry everybody my brain is you know not what it used well it never used to be uh, good anyway but um it was it was i really was moved by this book and it was all about exactly what we're talking about manifesting your life, manifesting your future, manifesting things you want to do, dreams that you want you have. And um, I was invited out to uh, lunch by two friends of mine in Santa Barbara. And they said, oh, we're bringing a friend of ours with, do you mind? And I was like, no, I'm sure that's fine. I kind of wanted to just hang with them. But uh, you know, I was like, yeah, sure. So I get there and the friend is Rhonda Byrne. Uh, and, and I'm I must- in the middle of reading the book. 
Oh, and here I am oh talking. Oh my God, Cassandra, that's so fabulous. And we talked for like two hours, but getting back to the Elvis thing. Yes. He knew all about Elvis and how he completely believed in the whole manifestation thing oh, okay. and how he was also a big fan of the books that you and I right. love um, and by these authors. And she gave me the name of a book and I have it written down somewhere that she said, Elvis used to pass this book. She says a very, very thin book, almost like a booklet. He used to give this book to everybody. She said he gave out, he'd buy them by the, the carton loads. Oh my gosh, I have to know what it is. I will find it. I wrote okay. it down that day. I, I have it somewhere. Um, but she said he was completely into that. And, and very few people know that. And you're the one that told me on his desk was yes. the same book that, that I mentioned. Um, yeah. And I'm Harry, I'm blanking again. Well, there, he had Paramahansa Yogananda's book on there. Uh, you know, uh, and also science of mind stuff. Science of mind, science of yes. mind. Yes, yes. Which I've been into for my whole life. Yes, me too. And and he had all that on his desk. And Lisa Marie, you know, chose to show that. You, you can see his desk in those books right now at Graceland if you go there. Yeah, I so, I am yeah. dying to go to Graceland. You know, I've never made it there. Oh I, my gosh, you I, have to go. I'd love to go with you. Wouldn't that be uh, a fun trip? Oh. <laughs> You should go there and film the whole thing. Yes. So I, they don't allow you to film. Ah, it. Damn it. <laughs> what if we got a, a, a film crew that they wanted to do it? Maybe. I've, I've been there twice. And I and you, you have to get the VIP because then they don't kick you out. You can go that, stay there all day if you pay the VIP price. All oh. over the grounds, uh, you know, and where his cars are and his tennis court and all that stuff. Mm. And you can go in and out of the rooms. Of course, you can't go upstairs, but you yeah. might be able to. <laughs> Those developers will come and get me and take me up there. Um, yeah, yes. no, I've heard it's fabulous. I, I, my, my manager went there not long ago, and he just said, "You have to." Oh, have you. To it's so incredible! It, it is. It's also a, a, you know, it's like going back to 1974, which is when he had it redecorated and everything. It's like a. a time warp into 1974 the colors everything about it so besides it being elvis's house you know it's really it's like being immersed in the past as well well you know it was really weird i became friends with joe esposito the guy who was mm. elvis's tour manager oh, oh. we became friends for uh years later when i had I had a roommate in new york another manifestation thing i think yes yes, yes. um named martha in New York City, not a roommate. She lived down uh, across the street, sorry. And she and I hung out together. She was kind of my only friend in New York City. I was very lonely when I was there and couldn't really meet people. And she was a good friend. And we we hung out together a lot and everything. We were both starving, struggling actor, actresses. And she disappeared one day. I never, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden she was gone. She was in her apartment. I couldn't believe that she didn't let me know or anything. It was kind of sad. Yeah. And one day, maybe 30 years later, I was Elvira. I was at a big fancy party and I see Martha and she sees me and we run over to each other. And, oh. oh my God, I can't believe it. She said, oh, I had to leave because my parents had an emergency and I left and I planned on coming back, but I never got to come back. So I couldn't get a hold of you and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah. And then she said, I just got married. I said, you know, what are you doing? And she goes, I just got married. You have to meet my husband. She takes me over. It's Joe Esposito. <laughs> oh my God. From Vegas, from Elvis. 
And we became oh my gosh. friends. Yeah. And Joe used to say all the time, I've got to take you to Graceland. You've got to go with us so I can give you the royal treatment there. Oh, oh. We became friends, really good friends with Martha and Joe and hung out for many, many years after that. Oh. Both passed away. Oh. Yeah. And I was always thinking I was going to go to Graceland with Joe. Yes, you know, I would have been the way to go. Oh, Wouldn't that have been fabulous? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, why don't we hear then, you know, the song that started it all for you, Hound Dog. You ain't nothing but a hound dog, Okay, there's no denying that music. <laughs> okay, he started everything, you know, opened all those doors for so many people. Yep, yep. <sighs> uh, yeah, um, and it, it, it was sad uh, when he passed away. It was devastating for me. Oh, oh, I um, bet. And of course, it was from drugs. Was my I know. I know, but of course they, they were all prescribed, yeah. you know, all prescription so, drugs. Yeah. So and, was, you know, uh, they're giving it like just like so many artists. I mean, from Judy Garland up to Prince and Michael Jackson. It's so like the people that you work with, your whoever it is, your management, your PR people, whatever. I imagine I'm pretty positive they were giving him drugs to have more energy when he was tired because he had to perform. Yeah. Giving him drugs at night to go to sleep because he couldn't sleep. Giving mm -hmm. drugs for pain because he's blowing out his knee. Pain, pain has caused so many people to Tom Petty. You know, there's so many right. people who get involved, who, who Prince, you know, that's oh. fentanyl and all that stuff now. And it's just so tragic. Oy, oy, oy. Oh, but let's not go there right now. Yeah, I mean, really. Uh, <laughs> uh. I just want to thank you. We've already talked for an hour. It's amazing. We can just continue talking for another few hours. Um, but I just want to thank you for being here. And well, I want to, you know, we didn't even get into your Elvira story. So you're all going to have to get the book to read that one. But yours anyway. cruelly, Elvira. Don't forget. Yes, yours cruelly, Elvira. Bestseller, New York Times bestseller. And now it's coming out, you said in paperback, huh? Yeah, it'll be a really great release in the fall of paperback. We're going to have uh, different covers for collectors oh, so be oh, fabulous. and I'm, I'm putting more uh material in it some of the material that we had to cut oh. and adding some more photos in it so it'll be a oh a, good yeah it'll be a fun wow fun that is so clever honey thank you and you're going to continue being elvira i'm sure well i probably um you know maybe not in person as much but but mm -hmm. certainly uh i think elvira will continue on even when i'm not there to to uh you know uh support her so to speak <laughs> you'll live forever are you kidding <laughs> i hope so you know look at elvis he's working more than ever and he's not yes that's right a lot of the letters are the same even it's true it's kind of a coincidence isn't yes. it <laughs> yes, it is. be like elvis they just sort of showed up <laughs> my signature actually looks so much like him i've had a few people comment that 
when I sign Elvira, it looks like Elvis. Oh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. and you you still have that that piece of paper that he scribbled some like numerology stuff on for you, right? I just sold it in an auction. I sold it finally in an auction. I sold off some of my best memorabilia. I still got a ton, but I tell you, I was becoming kind of like a hoarder. I had four or five storage units and it was just like i have got to start doing something with this stuff it's got to go because it shouldn't it should see the light of day it shouldn't be stuck away in a i understand i understand you know? I, I started letting go of some of my rock stuff you know not too long ago yeah, i understand boy some lucky person i bet they're in japan probably it went for a pretty darn high price so wow honey that. good for you good for elvis elvis is taking care of you still he is <laughs> 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 oh my god this is fun pamela let's do this yeah. every day okay all right well, i'm gonna come visit you sometime this year i promise oh god please 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 okay honey thank right. you love you pamela bye okay. bye So you guys have to run out and buy Cassandra's book. It's, you know, we just barely touched the surface of all the incredible stories she reveals. I mean, the fact that she was a groupie, pretty cool and proud of it. You know, she's in my Let's Spend the Night Together documentary for VH1 I did about 10 years ago. And I also have a book of that name, Let's Spend the Night Together, which is a whole compilation of mainly classic groupie stories, which I'm sure you'd all enjoy. And I also have a couple memoirs. I'm with the band and take another little piece of my heart, a groupie grows up, but not necessarily. I have not really grown up. I have an incredibly youthful heart. And I hope you continue to tune in to my beautiful, wonderful, happy Pantheon podcasts. And, you know, check me out all over the internet. You know, I do rock tours. I do tons of writing workshops. So I am pretty out there. So find me and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain. All sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios. Find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find all the Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Pantheon Podcasts. Rock and Roll Archaeology on Instagram and Pantheon Pods on Twitter. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.